Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. If you're given over to envy, it will just eat your lunch from the inside. Cause all kinds of physical problems, digestive system. This is years ago now, reading an article about how worry and anxiety can actually affect your teeth. Your, your, your teeth. Not just from, from grinding, from the stress. That doesn't help either. But it actually affects every part of your body. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Proverbs. In today's society, anxiety is an issue for almost everyone. Today, Pastor J.D. talks about how worry stresses our immune system as well as our spirituality. Don't let the anxiety get to you. Find comfort in knowing you're loved and protected by an all-powerful God who wants to spend the rest of eternity with you. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Proverbs chapter 14 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Okay, let's move on. At first, I'm getting very convicted here. So verse 10, this is an interesting proverb. The heart knows its own bitterness and a stranger does not share its joy. What this proverb is is teaching is that when it really comes down to it, we really don't know what people are going through. Whether it's going through this dark anguish, this deep, painful trial. I mean, even if they wanted to try to explain to you, you would never be able to understand. I think one of the worst things we could ever say to anyone when they're going through a very difficult time is, I know how you feel. Like, you don't know how I feel. No one knows how hard this is. Only one knows, and that's the Lord. Now, there's another side to this, too. A stranger does not share its joy. There are sometimes, too, on the opposite end of this, where <laughs> you don't have any idea what I'm experiencing right now. This joy that I have, this joy in the Lord, the joy of the Lord that Nehemiah 8.11 says is our strength. It is the joy of the Lord that's our strength. I was thinking about this, that you know when Jesus said the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, what does he want to steal from us? He wants to steal our joy. He wants to steal our hope. That's what he wants to rob us of, because he knows that the joy of the Lord is our strength, and he wants to weaken us. So how's he going to weaken us? By stealing our joy. If he can steal our joy and the joy of the Lord's our strength, then he's going to weaken us. That's why he does it. Verse 11, the house of the wicked will be overthrown, but the tent of the upright will flourish. In other words, at some point, the unrighteous, the wicked, that is built on the sand, the shifting sand, it's going to come down. It's just a matter of time. It hasn't yet. It will. And then by contrast, the house of the upright will always flourish. And it's built on that solid foundation. And it will always prosper. 
Verse 12, this is a very well-known proverb, and for good reason. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. This is certainly true when it comes to eternal life. Jesus said, I am, I am, the way, not a way, the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So you might think that that path you're on is the right path, but you need to know where does it end. Now, certainly with eternal life, this is a truth of truths, that there can be this way that we're on, this path that we're on, it can certainly seem like it's the right path. But in the end, it is the way of death. It leads to death. Now let's back it up and talk about it in practical, everyday terms. I think we would do well to think through those paths that we've chosen that we're on in our lives. And ask ourselves this important question, where does this lead? How will this end? Now, if you don't know, find somebody that has taken a similar path. See how it ended for them. See where it led for them. And if you should have the opportunity, and the Lord should present that opportunity, I think it would be very appropriate to ask them, listen, I, <laughs> uh, I noticed that you chose this path. How's it working out for you? Oh my goodness, you have no idea. It was the worst decision I ever made in my I thought it was the right decision. Oh, there's a way, a decision that seems right to a man but it turned out to be, in the end, the worst decision of my life. It almost cost me my life. Here's the thing too, and I, this is a whole sermon unto itself, but we choose those paths, we make those decisions based on how we feel. Last time I checked, we don't live our lives by feelings, we live our lives by faith. <laughs> We walk by faith, not by sight, not by feelings, how we feel, how it looks. Oh, this looks good. This looks right. This feels right. Have you ever heard that expression? How can something that feels so good be so wrong? Easy! <laughs> Verse 13, even in laughter the heart may sorrow, and the end of mirth may be grief. When I was preparing for tonight's teaching, I happened to, when I got to verse 13, I happened to look over in my office, I have, you know, these screens, and I have this photo frame right to the right of my computer, and I have over a thousand pictures, I mean priceless pictures of my children when they were young, growing up, and they phase out, they transition every five seconds, and so there was about a 15, 20, 25 second span of like five photos of my boys when they were very young. And it brought so much joy and laughter. 
But then it was bittersweet because they're all grown up. And I don't think it was a, an accident or coincidence that the Lord would have me to look over at my photo frame at the very time that I was pondering verse 13. And I think that's what it speaks to. It's the bittersweetness. You know, there was laughter, there was joy, but then there was also sorrow. It was a bittersweet thing. Oh, they were so adorable. They don't stay adorable like that very long. They grow up, and now they're 19 and 21, and I think of my daughter, she's 12, and I, there's pictures of her when she was just a little baby girl, and it's just like, oh, this is it. <laughs> and she's growing up, and it goes by fast. Remember when they would tell you, I was thinking about this. My wife and I were the perfect parents until we had children. <laughs> I mean, we read all the books. We, we thought, okay, hey man, this is what we're going to do. We got this thing down. We had a plan. And as soon as our first son was born, we took that and we just threw it away. We were told, you better enjoy them while they're young, because it's going to go by really fast. And you know what my response was? I'm sure it was the same for you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I blinked, and they were asking for the car keys. I'm like, oh, I was just changing your diaper the other day. What in the world? Bittersweet. Verse 14. The backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied from above. You know, those who backslide, they're going to get their fill sooner or later. Hopefully it's sooner rather than later that they come to their senses. Verse 15, the simple believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. This speaks to gullibility, the reality of gullibility, just believing everything you hear. I think about what we're told in the book of Acts about the Bereans, that they would search the scriptures daily. They would not take their word for it. I'm not going to just believe what you say because you said it. I'm going to search the scriptures and see for myself if this is true. Oh my goodness. Listen, I don't care who they are, especially when it comes to me. Do not ever believe everything without checking the scriptures, searching the scriptures to see if it's true. You know, my... Uh, I, I hate to use the word pet peeve, but for lack of a better way of saying it, one of my biggest pet peeves is when somebody says, yeah, that's what Pastor J.D. said. <laughs> Wait, don't put that on me. Yeah, I, I believe the rapture is going to happen before the seven-year tribulation because Pastor J.D. said so. No, don't do that. Search the Scriptures and see if what I am teaching is true. And that goes for any Bible teacher. You don't just believe every word. Be prudent. Be a Berean. Verse 16. 
A wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. I think this kind of speaks for itself. Wisdom says, run, get as far away as you can, as fast as you can. This is not good, contrasted with the fool that just rages on. Verse 17, another self-explanatory proverb, a quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of wicked intentions is hated. Who wants to be around that? Who wants to be around somebody that just blows their top, has a short fuse, as we say? Verse 18, the simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. This is an interesting picture that's painted here, inheritance, a crown, foolishness, wisdom, knowledge. Verse 19, the evil will bow before the good and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. There is coming a time when everything's going to be settled. Verse 20, the poor man is hated even by his own neighbor, but the rich has many friends. This is true. We do look down on those who are poor. And isn't it true that the rich never has a shortage of friends. This is something that the poor person never has to worry about, by the way. A poor person knows for sure that's a true friend. The rich person does not know that. Oh, you're my friend because, well, no wonder you're my friend. (laughs) I'm rich, and everybody wants to curry favor and friendship with somebody that's rich. The only reason you're my friend is because I'm rich. The poor person never has to worry about that. If you're poor and you have a friend, that's a true friend. Because (laughs) you know they're not your friend just because of what you have. Because you don't have anything. (laughs) They just want to be with you and be friends with you. Verse 21, he who despises his neighbor sins, but he who has mercy on the poor, happy is he. I was thinking about it in Mark's gospel when Jesus talks about showing mercy, and how the measure of the mercy we show will be the same measure of the mercy we're shown. In Luke's gospel, it's been misquoted. It's in the context of mercy. You show mercy, you know what you're going to receive? Mercy. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. I'm not talking about money, I'm talking about mercy. The measure we use is the measure that will be used. Verse 22, do they not go astray who devise evil? But mercy and truth belong to those who devise good. This is the key word, devise. (laughs) They're looking for ways to do good. Contrast with the one who's looking for ways to do evil. Verse 23, we need to move quickly here. In all labor there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. In other words, if you're just a talker, and not not a worker. See, the, the worker will always have profit and increase and prosperity. But the one who just talks, they're going to eventually come to poverty. Verse 24, the crown of the wise is their riches, but the foolishness of fools is folly. <laughs> That's quite a, quite a mouthful, isn't it? The foolishness of fools is folly. 
That might sound a little bit repetitive and even redundant, but that's what comes from the fool. Verse 25, again, courtroom setting, better understood. A true witness delivers souls, but a deceitful witness speaks lies. This is bearing false witness. In verse 26, in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence and his children will have a place of refuge. Verse 27, again, in the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. Verse 28, in a multitude of people is a king's honor, but in the lack of people is the downfall of a prince. Again, self-explanatory. He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly, promotes foolishness. The one who is impulsive cannot control themselves. The one who can control their anger is slow to wrath, has great understanding. Verse 30, a sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness, rottenness to the bones. You know, in this day and age in which we live, they are finding and discovering more and more about the relationship medically with the human body to the human emotions, and how when we have these emotions like fear and anxiety and worry, envy, it, it weakens our immunity system and makes us prone to disease. It's proven medically. And I mean, this is what verse 30 is saying. A sound heart is life to the body. It's health. A healthy mind is a healthy body, but it's unhealthy physically, medically, if you're given over to envy, it will just eat your lunch from the inside. Cause all kinds of physical problems, digestive system. This is years ago now, reading an article about how worry and anxiety can actually affect your teeth. <laughs> your, your teeth. Not just from, from grinding, from the stress, that doesn't help either but it actually affects every part of your body. Verse 31, he who oppresses the poor reproaches his maker, but he who honors him has mercy on the needy. I was thinking about what Jesus said, that when you give a glass of water to the least of these, it's like you're giving a glass of water to me. In other words, when we are oppressive to the poor, God takes notice and he takes it personally. It's like you're doing that to me. If giving a glass of water to someone in need is like giving it to the Lord, then wouldn't it stand to reason that withholding or oppressing is like you're doing it to the Lord? I believe so. Verse 32, the wicked is banished in his wickedness, but the righteous has a refuge in his death. Verse 33, wisdom rests in the heart of him who has understanding, but what is in the heart of fools is made known. It won't take long. You'll figure it out. The more time you spend with them, the more they talk. What comes out of their mouth is what's in their heart. Out of the abundance of, the, of a man's heart, the mouth speaketh. 
And so too is this true with the fool. Verse 34, we talked about this. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. I think we're witnessing that now. Verse 35, lastly. The king's favor is toward a wise servant, but his wrath is against him who causes shame. So we'll bring it in for a close. I just want to share with you something in closing that the Lord has been ministering to me, and it has to do with what Scripture calls the plumb line of God. What's a plumb line? A plumb line is a weight that is suspended from a string and used as a vertical reference line to ensure that something is straight and centered. That's the gauge, that's the measure, the plumb line. And we see the plumb line of God in Scripture being used as the measurement of righteousness. Isaiah calls the plumb line of God the the measurement of righteousness. And so here's the plumb line of God. Okay, It's, it's perfect, it's straight, it's accurate, and it's centered. Now you take your life and you put it up against the plumb line of God's perfect righteousness. And here's every aspect of your life. <laughs> Can we talk? <laughs> Can I get a witness here? here? Here's God's plumb line. Here's my life. Whoa, over here with that part of my life, right? As I go through the Proverbs, I see the Proverbs as God's plumb line. Here's wisdom, God's plumb line. Now, how do I measure up? How does my life, every aspect of my life, the motives of my heart, my thought life, how does that measure up? Ooh. <laughs> right? That's what these Proverbs are. And what becomes abundantly clear is that there's this discrepancy between my life, the way I live my life, and that plumb line, that measurement, that straight standard of God's righteousness. And this is what the Proverbs are teaching us. This is the, the plumb line, the righteous standard. And now here's my life by contrast. How does that measure up? And it's not to condemn us, it's to convict us. As one writer, one commentator said it, we don't hide from God, we hide in Him. We hide in Him. It's not our righteousness, it's Christ's righteousness. It's easy to dismiss Old Testament books as ancient texts that hold little meaning for you today. However, there's plenty of application for your life right now in this modern world. The book of Proverbs is one that specifically provides advice, admonishment, and encouragement for your life as a follower of Christ. As you listen to Pastor J.D.'s message today, though, you may have realized that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. If that's the case, we'd like to encourage you to change that right now. We have a simple guide that will tell you more. Just visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This will tell you why it's so important to put your faith in Jesus and how easy it is to start a relationship with Him. 
We'd love to hear from you, too, and we're available to answer any questions you may still have. Please get in touch with us through our contact form on our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you join us for our worship services. Bring your friends and family along, too. It's a great time of fellowship and learning about God with Pastor J.D. Be sure to let us know that you're a listener of In Spirit and Truth when you visit. Find out more about Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Thanks for being part of our study here today. We hope you'll tune in again to continue studying the truths found in the book of Proverbs, right here on In Spirit and Truth. Truth, truth.